Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This is the Unplayable Podcast brought to you by Cricket.com.au. On today's episode, we sit down with New South Wales Blues wicketkeeper Peter Neville to discuss his journey in the baggy green, his roller coaster summer, and what lies ahead. Peter, let's go back to the start of your test career. Steve Waugh presented your baggy green cap at Wards. What was that experience like, not only at that moment, but sort of the lead up to that first test? Yeah, I look back on it very fondly now, um, but I suppose it was, it was quite overwhelming uh, at the time. I've uh, got a lot of different competing emotions. Mm. Um, you know, you've been told you're playing your, your, your debut test match for Australia at Lords in an Ashes series. Um, and the, the things going through your mind um, need to be put out of your mind very quickly and focus on doing your job. Um, so it was a, a wonderful time, but it was also, you know, pretty daunting, you know, making your test debut Australia one nil down in an Ashes series in the UK. And not just that, the circumstances that. Brad was going through as well to come in and, and feel his gloves effectively. How did you go about putting that out of your mind and just focusing on the game? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I tried to probably insulate myself as much as I could. Um, so I sort of didn't didn't read anything leading up to the game. Tried to, you know, keep my myself as focused as I could be because um, I obviously understood there would be a lot of a lot of stuff going on, a lot of external stuff going on um, in and around that. Um, and obviously it was a difficult situation, obviously feeling for Brad and Karina at the time. Um, so as I said, I mean, it was just, it was a lot, a lot of emotion, you know, around this, around this moment. Um, and it's, it can be quite difficult to put that out of your mind and focus on what you have to do. It didn't take long for you to get your first catch of the third ball or something like that, pretty quickly? Yes, yeah, second ball maybe, second I think. Ball. First ball I took, um, anyway, Starkey found the edge of uh, Adam Life. Yep. Um, yeah, it's nice to get into the game nice and early. Okay, so after that game, uh, Australia levelled the series there. A lot of talk about Brad coming back into the team. What was your thinking after that game? Did you think that you were now the preferred number one gloveman or were you sort of in that caretaker role? No, I didn't. I mean, I said at the time, um, you know, I was selected on the tour as Brad's understudy, Brad's backup. Um, and I certainly didn't think anything had changed after that Lord's Test match. Um, it was only after playing the tour game, I believe it was Derbyshire, uh, that found out I was playing the Edgebaston Test match next. Yeah, and how did that sit with you, that you were now the preferred gloveman over Brad? Someone you've looked up to a lot of your career? Again, yeah, someone I've looked up to, you know, worked closely with for a very long period of time um, and someone who's helped me a hell of a lot. Um, again, more sort of mixed emotions and, um, and again, you've got to put that to the side and try and focus as much as you can on the job you've got to do. How was Brad during that stage with you? Again, I mean, Hads is Hads. He's, he was outstanding as per usual. Um, and obviously had a lot going on at the time, but still was very supportive of me, and um, I was able to lean on him quite a lot. You know, it's first couple of test matches you've played, you, you sort of lean on the people around you who, who can help you, I suppose, adapt to that uh, as fast as possible. And did he give you any advice or any, something to look out for while you were playing test cricket? I think a lot of advice, but the thing I found was probably the lead up to the test match was always the hardest thing, and then once you, 
once you got on the field, that was more your, your comfortable zone. Um, you can you know, sort of fall back on what you know well and you don't have to worry about all the, all the things being, I suppose, spoken about and, and all the things that go with you know, leading into a test match. It was really a roller coaster for you in that first series. You had the highs and lows, and then you went to Edgbaston and Trent Bridge, where Australia's batting wasn't as great as it probably could be. And then you won the fifth test. Two all for you, so you did all right. But um, what was it like that 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 Ash series? Can you look back now and sort of put into words what the experience was like? The highs and the lows. It was really an emotional roller coaster, and to go from you know the elation of winning at Lords and you know, leveling the series at one all, then Edgbaston and everything sort of crashing down at Trent Bridge. Um, you know, in the space of three games, you've experienced the highs and the lows of yeah. Test cricket. Um, obviously very difficult to deal with. There's so much scrutiny, um, you know, how Australia perform in an Ashes series, especially in the UK. Um, you know, you've got to deal with that very quickly and then, you know, that comes with the territory. So um, it was about after that, you know, playing for pride effectively in the, in the fifth Test match and yeah. thankfully winning it. So you moved to Australia and then you had New Zealand the next test match. Another, you had lost four legends from that Ashes series and Mitchell Johnson left after the second test. Did you feel like a bit of a changing of the guard then? The, the identity of the Australian cricket team changed when those veterans exited? Absolutely. All the people you, you were watching on TV um, you know, started leaving the change room. Um, and it was really a period of, of renewal, I suppose. But um, it was great to, for that group to have some success and you know, winning that summer and then winning away in in New Zealand and getting the number one ranking. How was it like having Steve Smith as the new captain? He played a lot in the New South Wales. You guys shared the leadership when he wasn't there. You would be the shield captain when he came back, he would take over the reins. But what was your relationship with him like at the start of that New Zealand series? Yeah, very good. I mean, I've always had a good relationship with Steve and always have a tremendous amount of respect for him. Um, as I've seen him at close quarters for a long time. You know, the way he operates around a team and, and you know, his influence as captain, um, you know, it's certainly excellent. So I guess Adam Gilchrist is to blame for this because every now every keeper has to be able to hold the bat. That day night test, the third match of that series against New Zealand, inaugural, lots made about it, and you probably put on your best innings for Australia in that first innings. Not a high-scoring game, but you got a half century. What did that do to your confidence um, moving forward and, and being a part of that test team? Yeah, I don't think it was so much doing something for my confidence. Um, you know, it was very satisfying. It was very pleasing to to do something, I suppose I prided myself on it for New South Wales, being able to do that many times and you know, to be able to dig your team out of the hole, put on a, a partnership with you know, Nathan Lyon and Starkey um, and get us back into a you know, competitive position, um, you know, it, was, it was pretty satisfying. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think it was, you know, I don't think I was, it was necessarily lacking confidence or anything before that, but um, yeah, very pleasing to, to be able to do it when it mattered. At any stage throughout that summer, I had a West Indies after that, but at any stage in that summer, was your batting or keeping ability brought up by anybody in the team? Was anyone talked to you about any of that stuff? No, not particularly. I suppose as a wicket keeper, you need to be pretty self-sufficient anyway. But um, you know, whether it's selectors or anything like that, any time you you don't have to have a conversation with the selectors, usually a good thing. So um, the top order as well just did a, a phenomenal job throughout that summer as well. But I suppose outside of that innings in Adelaide, my my role was um, trying to advance the scoring before a declaration. Well, talking about advancing the scoring, you got picked in the World T20 squad. Um, you basically got a slog from ball one, no matter where you're batting. Was that a bit of a surprise for you? Yeah, very much so. Yeah, it was a big surprise. Um, we were preparing for a test match in Wellington during the New Zealand series, and Buff sort of pulled me aside um, and told me that I'd been picked for, uh, for the World T20. 
Um, very much unexpected, mm -hmm. but you know, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, it was a, an amazing event, but unfortunately we got Virat Kohli in that last game against India. You're not the first person that happened to. Uh, so what was your mindset then, if you're now the test keeper and you're the T20 keeper, you've already said that you wanted to try and keep for all formats of the game for Australia, but where did that put your mind at at that moment? Um, I don't think really much had changed. Uh, I was still very much focused on test cricket. I, I didn't you know, think that my tenure in the T20 team was going to last much longer than that, that tournament. <laughs> okay. um, but very much, yeah, focused on, on you know, test cricket and what was coming up next. Not like poor result for Australia in the World T20, just can't seem to quite crack that one. But you're in India in subcontinent conditions. You know, after that, was the Sri Lanka tour. Was there anything in that India World T20 tour that you picked up ahead of going to Sri Lanka? Uh, just to make sure I hydrated a lot. Uh, right. Very sweaty conditions both in India and, uh, and in Sri Lanka. Um, but, you know, comparing T20 formats and test formats, I mean, I don't think there was a, a, a hell of a lot you could take from from that kind of preparation, um, you know, and then going and playing uh, in Sri Lanka in a test series. Well, on the Sri Lanka and Australia, lost 3-0, but what would you do differently, looking back, what would you do differently in a preparation, knowing what you know now? Uh, I think in terms of preparation, what you would do differently, I'm not sure there's much you can do. You're really at the whim of the local associations as to, uh, I suppose, the conditions you have to prepare in. Mm. Um, you know, it's certainly, uh, there wasn't, a, you know, there was certainly enough time given to preparation uh, leading into that um, and even in Australia both myself and Nathan Lyon and Steve O'Keefe were, were going up to the uh, NCC in Brisbane pretty regularly and working on the spin wicket up there which I think is a fantastic resource you know leading into a subcontinent tour uh, so I think you know in terms of the preparation uh, you know it certainly couldn't be faulted you know given uh, the conditions we had to work with. You said the top order fired a lot in that summer, but they weren't doing their job in that Sri Lanka series. Does that put more pressure on you when you were walking out at five for not many? I think the pressure's always on everybody. I mean, you win and lose as a team. Um, you know, you make whatever you make, you know, you've got to try and defend that. And yeah. uh, by no means is it easy trying to play test cricket in Sri Lanka. Um, and a lot of credit to them, they played exceptionally well. Um, but losing a, a test series 3-0, it's, it's an unacceptable result. Yeah, and how did you feel your form with the bat was? Probably not the runs you wanted, but I guess a lot of the batsmen could say the same thing, but how do you think your form was? No, obviously not up to scratch. Um, and I suppose uh, if I had my time again, um, well, I think I learnt a lot from that, just about my approach to, to batting and in, in those conditions. I think a lot of us look to put pressure back on the bowler very early in our innings. Mm. And I think for me personally, I would have been served better perhaps having given myself more time to adjust to the conditions. Um, in the test match in Candy, I s sort of felt um, myself and Steve O'Keefe in the second innings, the, the, world, uh, the worst the, partnership of all time, or whatever it's called. Yeah. <laughs> the blockathon. Yeah. So sock on one leg and the least productive partnership of all time. Mm. Um, I think, you know, the longer we batted there, the easier it got. Um, and I think perhaps, you know, looking to, to put pressure on the bowler a bit too early in my innings, you know, contributed to the downfall a lot of the time. And you think that's probably it? something that the rest of the batting group sort of fell victim to? Perhaps, yeah, and I think you know, there's been some talk recently about um, you know, needing to trust your defence more in those conditions and um, I think Mike Hussey even came out and said that you know, how much easier things felt for him mm. after he'd spent a bit of time in those conditions at the wicket. It's amazing how, e how much easier it does get. So, you know, very interesting observations from, from players much better than myself. Yeah, okay, so Australia had uh, um, the running in some of those test matches that were right on top in the first test, and then it got to Perth, 
against the Proteas. Again, Australia right on top, and then brilliant performances by Vernon Philander and the Proteas. What was going through the, the, the group's mind at that point, having been on top in so many games and then coming out the other side losing? Uh, it's hard to comment on, on what the, the collective feel was, but yep. myself personally, I, you know, it highlights just how important it is to win key moments. Mm. Um, unfortunately, that, that streak of five test matches, we just we didn't win any of the key moments. Mm. Um, you know, whether it be some incredible batting partnerships by the Sri Lankan batsmen, you know, to get their teams out of out of holes in a number of occasions. Um, you know, whether it's the the bowling attack of South Africa, you know, just lifting a gear. It's mm. key moments in those games that ended up proving the downfall for us. And you got a half century in the second innings in Perth. At that point, did you think that your spot was at all in jeopardy? Oh, of course. I mean, um, you certainly can't um, be losing test matches and expect your spot's safe. I mean, coming into that summer, I knew after Sri Lanka, I'd, I'd be under pressure to make runs. And I mean, if you're not performing, you don't stay on the side for very long. Is that, a, is that something hard to come to grips with? That, that it's, you know, you win, like you said, you win and you lose as a team but if you're not doing your job and the team's losing, that you could be in trouble. Whereas if you're not going as well, but the team's winning, then you're more likely safe. Um, well, I think the scrutiny definitely goes to another level when the team's losing. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's a lot of public discussion about what needs to be done with the team and, um, and that's to be expected. That's, that's par for the course. That's the, the life and times of a professional cricketer. And you said after that Hobart test, that again, things didn't go your way there, but you were resigned that you could have lost your spot then. Is that looking back, is that still how you feel that once that test match was over, that the series was gone, that you might be one of those guys that might have made their way? Absolutely. I'm, I'm sure there were a lot of people sitting in the room that, that would have felt that way as well, but you can't, it's unacceptable to lose five test matches in mm. a row. Um, you know, losing an overseas series is one thing, but then, you know, the stronghold of, of playing test matches in Australia, you, you, know, you certainly can't afford to lose the first two test matches and thus the series um, and expect there won't be repercussions. I mean, how much did that hurt you to, to be dropped? I mean, you had a pretty good start to this your test career and then just over 12 months later you're out of the side. How much did that actually hurt and sort of rock you? Uh, very much. I mean, it's, it's extremely disappointing. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you put your heart and soul into playing for your country. That's, you know, unfortunately what happens when you're not delivering. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was a very difficult time, but... You know, I certainly didn't dwell on it for too long. I sort of picked myself up and focused on moving forward and, and getting better. Um, I think that's the, the main thing. I've got to improve as a cricketer and all my focus has been on doing that you know, the whole way through my career, but mm. you know, even more so now. So what was the message from the selectors after the Hobart test? Was it just a tap on the shoulder saying bad luck or did they give you some goals and objectives to try and go out there and achieve? Uh, nothing too specific, but just you know, a reminder that you know, it doesn't spell the end. Mm. Um, go back and put some performances together. Right. And you certainly did that in your first chance at Shield level. 179 not out against Tasmania and Hobart at the venue where that, that last test match was. Can you express your emotions, what it was like reaching that, that triple figures there after all everything that had been going on? I mean, the, the test match was being played in Adelaide at the same time. Yeah, well, it's just nice making runs, to be honest. Yep. Um, cricket's a lot more fun when you're doing well, so <laughs> it was nice. I was so, unfortunately, we didn't win that game, though. Um, you know, I was mm. looking forward after losing five test matches on the trot to, to start winning some games again. So, you know, unfortunately, we didn't win that one down there. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's always pleasing when, you, when you're making runs. Um, you certainly feel much better about, about yourself as a cricketer. And was that sort of a, I wouldn't say it's a sort of a reminder of the selectors, but sort of say, hey, guys, this is what I can do. You know, you might have put me away, but 
I'm still here and I can still score big runs when I need to. Um, I mean, yeah, it's, uh, I can read into it what they will. I'm, as I said, I'm, I'm, all I'm going to try and do is go back and perform as well as I can for New South Wales and hopefully uh, do the double this year, winning the Shield and the Matador Cup. How did it sit with you when you heard people talk about Matthew Wade's aggression on the field? He's a bit of a chirper, apparently he doesn't mind the odds sledge or two, and that's probably not your game style. But how did that feel that when people were comparing the two of you that that was one of the things that they gave him the edge? Um, I think that's to be expected again. I mean, there's so much, um, I suppose, public discussion about you know what, what the team needs because mm. when you're not winning, mm. there's going to be a lot of that kind of discussion. Um, but I think again, it's you know, it's without merit. It's um, if you're performing well and making lots of runs and keeping well, and the team's winning. I mean, I don't think anybody would be concerned if you were whistling Justin Bieber tunes or what you were doing. <laughs> um, essentially, it's about performance and about winning. And if the team's winning, and I, uh, you know, not only the public but a lot of a lot of other people will also be much more relaxed about about the way things are going. So we've gone on this roller coaster. We started at the top. We've gone down. We're going up swing again then the big bash hits and uh, you're with the renegades and that last game you played for them out of the blue literally the strikers blue a bat comes <laughs> flying and clocks you in the face i mean can you explain what that was like those experiences at that moment uh, a lot of shock and confusion to be honest um yeah usually the only thing that hits you in the face in uh, in a game of cricket's the ball and i was <laughs> i was watching that on its way out to deep square league so um, yeah, a lot of a lot of confusion and shock, and it was a bit of a blur really until the doctor got out there, and I imagine he, having seen what had happened, was, was making his way out there as fast as he could. Mm. Um, but it, it ended up bursting a gland in my cheek, um, which caused it to swell very rapidly. Um, and when the doctor got out there and saw the shape of my jaw, he, he immediately thought I'd broken my jaw, and we had to go to hospital. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was it was very very upsetting to be walking off the ground like that, thinking that that could well be the end of your season. Mm. Um, and then, you know, a few, a week later, a, a hell of a lot of relief, knowing that I'd be able to, you know, start the Shield season again. Did you think it was broken when it first happened? I mean, the pain wasn't, you know, through the roof. So I was actually quite nervous that it was about to hit me like a ton of bricks. It might have just been the adrenaline keeping it off. Mm. Um, but I, I couldn't move it at all. And it was, yeah, it was, it was definitely painful. So. You just got hit in the bat with a face. It's, it's supposed to be painful, I would have thought. Um, but, yeah, I mean, having never broken a jaw or a bone before, it's um, yeah, not something I was familiar with and wasn't really sure what to expect. Not even a finger? I've seen keepers' hands before. They're pointing left, right, all over the shop. No, as far as I know, I haven't broken one, but it helps when you don't go get them scanned. <laughs> what was it like during the Big Bash to watch the Aussies out there playing and they had more success in that last test against the Proteus and then against Pakistan, what do you like watching those games? Yeah, well, it's great when you do when you do get the time to watch it. It's you know you want to see Australia winning, you want to see the team doing well, um, and you're certainly very proud of the guys that are doing well and contributing to that success. Um, so I mean, it's, it's you certainly don't have any negative feelings about you know the success that the team has. You want to see the team back winning and, and the public happy with the way things are going in Australian cricket again. Well, first game back in Shield cricket, and you're in the New South Wales Blues right now. Another century, so it's not like your batting form dropped off despite the big bash and the, and the knock to the cheek. How are you feeling right now with your game? Yeah, very good. Um, I've you know, continued to work you know, very hard on the game and trying to improve as much as I can. And it was great going back to, to New South Wales and you know, Dom Thornley picked up a couple of key points for me that, that have sort of helped with my batting as well. Um, just a little thing with my you know, stillness in my head and, the, and a little tinkering with the back lift and you know, those things have certainly held me in good stead and, and everything feels pretty organised at the moment.
what were those specifically and how did he help it? Yeah, so he, was, uh, he picked up that I was sort of moving my head a little bit too much during my starter movement. So when, when I was, uh, you know, your feet move before you pick your bat up, mm. um, my head was, you know, up and down a little bit too much. So it was about for me trying to keep my head as still as I could while I was doing my starter movement. And it obviously helps, you know, the stiller your eyes are, the easier it is to track the ball and, and the better your judgment can be. Um, and then again with my back lift, just trying to make sure it wasn't getting, uh, so the blade of the bat wasn't pointing, you know, towards the slips or gully, trying to get that coming through a little bit straighter. Um, so that can either be, you know, through keeping your front shoulder a little bit more closed and making sure you don't open up too much, um, or also just where you're tracking your, your bottom hand as you take your back lift up, as long as you can feel that you know, close to your body, um, you know, that ensures that your back lift goes in the correct position. And it just shows that it doesn't matter how experienced you are, sometimes you just need to go back, re-look at your game, revisit it, get someone else to have a look at it, and then you can reassess, change things up, and always make those little improvements. Yeah, a lot of the time the battle's making sure bad habits don't creep in. Mm. And a lot of the time they'll, they'll creep in and, and you won't realise you're doing it until you know, either a coach sees it or you see some video footage of it. Um, and I think it's, you know, you've constantly got to be monitoring what you are doing um, and analysing it and, and making sure that, you know, you get yourself back to what's most successful for you. And Dom did it for you, but when you're in the blue setup, do you look at your teammates and say, Moses, I think you could work on this? Or, you know, is that something that you guys do give, provide a lot of feedback within the group? Yeah, there is. Um, I, I probably don't pick it up as well as, as, well as some, though. Um, so it's usually a bit of one-way traffic there for me. I don't tend to pick up on those you know, right. technical aspects of, of batting as much as some others, but um, and certainly pick up the keeping aspects. You spoke Tom Thornley. Was there anyone else during this tough time that you sort of confided in a little bit to just try and get their opinions and, and sort of lent on a little bit to help you get through it? Uh, in cricket circles, probably you know, Moses Enriquez um, and Steve O'Keefe as well. Yeah. Um, I think they're two guys that, that have both had some international experience and, and tasted the, the highs and the lows of, you know, of what it, what it can be playing international cricket for Australia. Um, they've both got a very pragmatic view of cricket as well and, yep. and are both you know, quality humans and two of my favourites. So I suppose, yeah, if, uh, I lent on, on them a little bit, but you know, I, was, I was pretty quickly focused on, on what I needed to do to, to start moving forward again and getting better. Does that make you even more hungry now to get back there? Now that you've tasted it and you've tasted the highs and unfortunately the lows, but does that make you just want to get there and do it more and more? Oh look, I love playing cricket for Australia, you know, pulling your baggy green on and playing for your country is incredible. Um, but the focus for me now is, is performing well for New South Wales, so you know, we don't sit there worrying about the test team, we, we sit there worrying about winning the Shield now. And, Know, hopefully making more runs and, and helping New South Wales win a few more games. After the, the Shield season wraps up, uh, there's not a lot of red ball cricket left uh, until the start of the next summer. Australia don't play any test matches, it's all white ball stuff for them. What are you going to do in the off-season, what are you going to do in the winter to try and push your claims and just keep getting better, as you said? Um, well, hopefully there'll be you know, possibly an opportunity to play overseas somewhere, but first and foremost I'm going to worry about getting married in April. Right. Well, that's a big. That's I mean, that's a real big bridge to cross, isn't it? And then talking about nerves, you think you're going to be hit with some nerves on that day? No, I don't think so. No, I'll be right. <laughs> well, you faced you faced a tough day, haven't you? You played Ashes Test matches, day night Test matches. Getting married be easy. Walk in the park. A big thank you to Pete there. That's it for today's episode. We'll be back ahead of the first Test against India in Pune. But until then, head to cricket.com.au for all your cricket news, scores, and videos.
Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.